Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. What's up, Zach? What's going on? There is so much going on free agency right now. It's crazy. I don't even know where to start. Well, where do we start? Let's just take a you know step back really quick. I know this is a football first podcast, but I as a, a Sports fan in general, this is one of my favorite times of the year because you have the NBA and the NHL grinding down their seasons, getting ready for the playoffs. You have, obviously, the Combine and all of the fun that comes with the NFL Combine. You have uh, the NCAA finishing up their regular season with conference tournaments ending this weekend with Selection Sunday starting next week. March Madness. March Madness, in my opinion, the best sport or sport tournament in all of sports. And then not even in season, right? The NFL 2020 calendar year doesn't even start till next year when free agency officially kicks off, but it already stole the show. You have all of this going on in the world of sports, but the NFL being the NFL has to take everybody's shine um, and say, hey, look at me. We're not even in season. We're not even we're a week away from the new calendar year starting. And uh, the NFL is just has the sports world on on, you know flipped over on its axle it's so crazy how just one day all this news and the the power structure of the nfl is just completely flipped on its head it's so crazy what we just witnessed in the last 24 hours the only thing we're missing right now is baseball yeah i and yeah (laughs) what's going on with baseball that makes it another part of the reason why this is such a fun time you know we should be geared up for opening day um that's getting pushed off further and further. Hopefully MLB can get its act together because yeah, another reason why this is the best month of the calendar year when it comes to sports, there's so much going on. Everything's so much. Everything's going on. We just finished up the NFL combine. You're already seeing teams trim down their rosters, getting ready for free agency. We've got a couple huge trades and we just signed Mike Williams to a three year, $60 million contract. How do you feel about, about first of all, let's talk about the number twenty million dollars a year. Uh, he's going to make fourteen million this year against the cap. Uh, he's going to get some extra cash this this year. Um, 
40 million guaranteed. We locked up our star wide receiver. Nobody expected it to be $20 million a year though. Well, uh, I think that was kind of, you know, the, the most that he was going to get, but I think he's well worth it. I, I think with the production you saw, he's continuing to get better. He's becoming more than just a 50, 50 jump up and go get the ball kind of guy. He's becoming a, a full receiver, a complete receiver. And I think the, the contract kind of confirms that, that that's how the chargers view him at least. It is. It's how the Chargers view him. I'm sure he would have got something similar in free agency. Um, we seeing all these tags coming across wide receivers. Uh, Chris Godwin got tagged again. I think the entire tight end market, free agency market, yeah. ended up getting tagged. So um, I think he's deserving of it. And I think it's structured in such a way. I, I talked about mm -hmm. this a little bit on Twitter. It's structured in such a way that he's not going to play on that third year contract. He's either going to get extended or he's going to get let go. And you got a ripcord there. It's a seven million dollar ripcord. It's not a cheap ripcord by any mean. But mm -hmm. um, I took a look at his age. He's twenty seven years old. Most guys are signing their second contract by twenty four, twenty five years old. Um, and I think that it gives him the ability to get one more big payday. And before you know, most NFL players they get two big contracts. They get their rookie contract. They find their sign their first extension. Uh, right around 24, 25 years old. Uh, they usually make it to 28, 29, and they sign their last big contract to take them into their early part of their 30s. And Mike Williams already a little bit behind the curve. Uh, he ended up coming in just a little bit older as a rookie. Uh, got the fifth-year option after the fifth-year option, 27 years old. Signs essentially what's going to be a, a two-year contract for him. And then he's going to be able to cash in again here in a few years. So. I think it makes all, you know, it, it's such a great contract for him. Obviously he gets to cash in on his most productive season of his career. I think it's a $28 million signing bonus right off the gate. That's cushy. You got to love that. And then, like you said, he gets another shot to re up. If these next two years pan out the way he envisions them for himself, then he's yeah. In, you know, in line for another big contract, I think really what that 20 mil a year, for uh for Williams is going to do is is really going to bump up the price tag for the, the rest of the free agent receivers. You're going to see some free agent receivers get paid. I think a lot closer to that 27 a year mark that DeAndre Hopkins is getting paid than the Amari Coopers, the Keenan Allens, who are right now sitting at 20 mil a year. Now I have to add Mike Williams into that. I, I just think you're going to see some hefty, hefty wide receiver contracts get paid out the uh, next couple of weeks. Well, last year, no, no wide receivers got paid because the salary cap went down and they all signed one year, like little prove it deals. Uh, just, a, mm -hmm. it was really just a, a down year for wide receivers across the board because I mean, nobody had money to shell out like that. Um, and I know there's some teams that still, uh, you know, end up signing some big contracts to different players. See Corey Lindsley, for instance. Um, but Tom Telesco, he's very cap conscious. It's, it's probably one of the most defining things about his, uh, his, tenure here as a, a general manager for the Chargers. He's always kept the Chargers in good cap condition. And it really benefited us this year because we were able to go sign Mike Williams and we still have, you know, $45 million in cap space to, to go into free agency with, with uh, a bunch of holes all over the roster. Yeah, it, it's a great deal. I mean, we're, we're saving 
almost five mil towards the cap this year than we were expecting. I think everybody was really expecting that franchise tag to come and at 18 a year. Um, It's such a bargain to have one of the best receivers It's the best at what he does um, at 14. It's a great year. And, and we could still get some more cap space if we restructure this Balaga deal, if we decide to move away from Jerry Tillery, then you add 11 picks in a very deep um, draft coming up in April. It's this offseason is going to be what the chargers make of it. You, you, we could be very, very, you know, set up, set ourselves up for being competitive for years to come. If we do this thing, right. So, He's going to make $14 million in cap this year. He's going to make $19 million in cap next year. And like I said, he's not going to play on that third-year contract. So what it came out to was a two-year, $33 million contract, which is, you know, $15.5 million a year. So if you really take a look at it for what it is, um, you know, it's a, it's a two-year, $33 million contract, averaging $15 million a year. And then he's going to get some sort of an extension um, in two years from now. I like it. I, I like the way that it was set up. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like the the $27 million hit uh, on his third year. Um, you know, he, his guaranteed money is going to make that a, a $7 million dead cap, which, I mean, for what it is, like if, if the idea is to extend him again in two years, um, that's there. Uh, it, it makes him a little bit untradeable, so we're kind of locked in him over the next two three years uh but we'll ultimately see where it goes uh the next thing i I want to talk about go ahead well i was just going to say i i think for all teams but the chargers especially you know this franchise tag period is domino number one it really sets in motion everything else that you're going to do right we we thought we i mean we're still in play for a receiver early on in the draft but I, i think without without Williams re-signed, it would have been a much more urgent need. Yeah, so it, this is just domino number one. A lot of exciting things are going to fall in line after this decision. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about, Russell Wilson, traded uh, <laughs> to the Broncos. They gave up a lot. I don't have everything that they gave up, but they, they gave up a lot to go and get them. I think one of the biggest things that they gave up was Noah Fant. Um, I think that's a player that they kind of needed, <clears throat> but they have a tight end there. Uh, Okwenabom. I have no idea how to say his Albert name. Albert O. I just say him, call him Albert yeah. O. Albert O. And I think, I think he's going to be their starter next year. Um, they they gave up a lot to get Russell Wilson, but without a doubt, the AC West has the absolute best quarterbacks in any division that I can ever like even remember. Like I can't think of a division that has this been this strong in in the quarterback room. Well. It's so crazy that he goes from the NFC West, which was the cream of the crop for, you know, during those Super Bowl years. Uh, it was them the, and the Niners, and then all of a sudden the Rams creeped into com- competition, and now you have the Arizona Cardinals kind of sprouting out of nowhere. And then that kind of – that talent's kind of deteriorating, so he goes and flips to the AFC West and is now, uh, you know, the cream of the crop. It's the best division in football, like you are saying. A lot of people are like worried that the AFC championships running through the AFC West, they're going to be in that game, at least if they're not on both sides of it, at least one of the top three teams in the AFC West is going to the AFC conference championship. 
I think for the next 10 years or so, right? As long as Russell Wilson is uh, competing uh, at an elite level, he's one of the best quarterbacks we've had for the last decade, right? It, it's so crazy that you insert, we were, we dodged a bullet, I think, by letting Aaron, Aaron Rodgers stay in uh, Lambeau, but that's the, I guess, I think the second worst option to have come into uh, the division and take over the Den- Denver Broncos. You know, I was saying last year, I thought they were, a good quarterback away from competing for a Super Bowl with that defense. You had Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks over the last 10 years. Uh, yeah. They're going to be a problem. That's going to unlock Jerry Judy without a doubt. Right? Like everyone's talking, I feel so bad for Noah Fant because he gets traded and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, their, their quarterback, I can't even think of his name that they traded back to the Seahawks. Oh, uh, Drew, Drew Lock. Just can't get away from Drew Lock. He just gets stuck with Drew Lock. Like, ouch. What that's painful. Like that's that's been his, you know, the issue with him is that he hasn't had a quarterback to throw it to him. But he's a really really good player. Uh, I think. I, I just where do the Seahawks go at quarterback? Are they going to draft somebody? Or are they looking maybe Jimmy G? I heard them. I've heard them all day tied to Deshaun Watson, who's going to get some clarity on his you know off field status. I, I I think there's supposed to be a decision on on his domestic is it i'm not sure exactly what type of charges he's facing um it's i just know sexual harassment it's, is that what it is there's it's that's part of it right like there's it's, the whole that whole like, issue it's like i i know there's like at least 12 women testifying against him but i think that's i think there was like a total of like 50 something uh, women that had complaints against them. Either way, that's all coming to a head. Um, and I've just heard Seahawks tied to Deshaun Watson all day on the NFL Network. So whatever, that's that's all I've been hearing. Um, whether there's any validity to that, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how their cap thing works because when they traded away um, Russell Wilson, they, they ate a lot of dead cap in that. Uh, they ate a lot of it, and they got some younger players, uh, Drew Locke, who's on a rookie contract, Noah Fant, who's on a rookie contract. Uh, they got a couple first-round draft picks. It feels like they're kind of starting over there, and I know a lot of people are talking about Pete Carroll not wanting to go into a rebuild. I mean, the guy's you know, pushing 80. Like He's an old guy. He's a, he doesn't look anywhere near that age, but he's he's an older guy, and he's at the end of his coaching career without a doubt. So is he really going to be the guy to go and, and bring us to a, a new rebuild in, in Seattle? I don't know if that's his plan necessarily. I think Russell Wilson wanted out, and I think he's going to be hitting that quarterback market pretty hard. But I don't know what's really out there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't available anymore. Uh, you don't have the best rookie quarterback class this year. <laughs> nope. Um, well, so there's Jimmy G. There's... Um, you can go with a guy who throws 30 interceptions. <laughs> James yeah. Winston is out there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is out there, but I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a pretty empty quarterback market. So I, I have no idea where they're going to go with that. I, I think, well, and I, I think we definitely know how teams are, are valuing these quarterbacks, uh, you know, in this draft with all of the, this frenzy we saw. And then you see the Washington commanders, make a very hefty trade to go and grab Carson Wentz. That was the other one. Well, and I think that that's where you're at. Like 
you can't really take a, a flyer on Jimmy G right now. He's in the process of getting off, you know, soldier shoulder surgery. You don't really know where he's going to be. Uh, Jameis Winston has dealt with some injuries recently in his career. And then he's a 30 interception a, a year type of guy uh, without the Brett Favre 45 touchdowns at a, a game. Right. I think, I think he went 30 for 30. Like he had the same number of touchdowns that he did. And he might've passed for 5,500 yards or something crazy he threw like for that. a lot of yards. Right. But it, you're but not he's got, see- he's got all that, all that firepower there in Tampa that he had when, when he did that, right. Chris Godwin, he had, um, they, they had a lot of good players over there when he did that and he just doesn't protect the ball. So, I mean, what quarterbacks are available? I mean, Carson Wentz is no longer available. And I hear that, the Colts might be tied to um, to Jimmy G. I heard that as well. I, I guess my point for bringing it up is there isn't anybody else. That's why the Commanders got third pickings in this uh, free, you know, this free agent quarterback class, and they went and and traded for Carson Wentz. Th- that's it. There's nobody else left. And then it's, the Colts need a quarterback now too. <laughs> yeah, you were scrambling. It's so nice to be. Uh, any any team with a you know clear direction uh, when it comes to franchise quarterback because um, there's a really there's a, just a, a plethora of talent there um, and if it's not in if it's not already on a team or on a roster uh, you know there's no free agents out there to get and there's a lot of red flags on this quarterback class coming in. I mean, just taking a look at who's available. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, James Winston, Marcus Mariota might be an option. That might be a, yeah. an interesting fit there because he's a very similar quarterback to Russell Wilson. Um, I, you know, Marcus Mariota makes a lot of sense to Seattle. A lot of sense. I know Mitchell Trubisky's getting hype, which is yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it's got to be Marcus Mariota to Seattle, right? That'd be interesting. I think they really want. I think both of those teams, Seattle and the Colts, are going to be all in trying to get a guy like Deshaun Watson if he's available. And I think if they don't get a guy like that, I think they're just going to bite the bullet this year, get somebody like Jimmy G as a, on a one-year kind of prove-it deal and just as like a, a placement holder and then just hope you have a, a decent draft pick next year and there's a better group of quarterbacks incoming. It can't be much worse. You know, this is the worst quarterback class we've seen. I, at least Malik Willis as, is getting hype for top 10 pick. Well, he is, he is. And I think, but, be, but the reason he's getting hyped is because we're, we're hyping him up often in tangibles, right? We're hyping him up because he we was found giving clothes to that, ho- the homeless lady um, outside right. of the combine, which is super cool. And there is, a, there is, you know, validity to that because like Jimmy G it's not all arm strength and arm talent. There is, you know, value in being a good leader. The quarterback is a leader of a football team. And you see guys like Jimmy G who don't have the greatest arm talent, but have got his team to the Super Bowls. I'm talking guys like Joe Flacco. I don't think are great quarterbacks, but they're good leaders. And they did enough in that aspect to get their team to the next level. I think people are going, and that's what we're looking at. We're, we're talking about these guys' leadership abilities, not their arm talent, not what they can do on the football field. We're talking about intangibles, and that is the only guy we're talking about in, in the top 10, um, and it's all because of his leadership ability. I think that just speaks to And he's got a big the, arm. Talent. Oh, he, he's, he's, he's got a be good. huge arm. But is, yes. is he all arm and no accuracy? He's, he's, a, he's a dynamic runner. With accuracy. 
He's a dynamic runner. Um, we'll have to see where he goes. Um, you know, top 10, you're probably not going to a, a, a great franchise right off the bat. Typically, that doesn't really happen. Um, I don't know. We're, we're going to see how this whole quarterback free agency thing shakes out. Um, I'm going to put money on Marcus Mariota going, going to Seattle because I just think that makes a lot of sense. He's only 28 years old. He's got that starting experience. He's played really well while backing up Derek Carr when he's needed to, to come in. Um, and, you know, he, he was a dynamic college player who yeah. wasn't good enough with the Titans but did just enough. Um, we'll see how it goes. You ready to get into the Chargers free agents? Uh, free agent needs, I would say. So, like, yeah. let's start at running back because I, I think there's a high probability that the Chargers are going to go get and RB2 at running back. Um, to give you an idea of who's available, I'm going off the athletic. They did a ranking top 10 players at every single position. Their top 10 for running backs is going to be Leonard Fournette, Corderell Patterson, James Conner, Melvin Ingram, Chase Edmonds, Rashad Penny, Patrick Ricard as a fullback, JD McKissick, Sony Michelle, and Daryl Williams. Uh, is there any of these guys that you're looking at targeting, or do you have somebody else in mind? Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. It, well, it's funny. My my top three are the first three guys you said in reverse order. Um, so I guess I'll just stop with my number three option right now. And I, I think it's Leonard Fournette. I really like his play style. Um, you know, he's a huge part of that, you know, Tampa Bay Super Bowl run in 2020. I think... You know, it led to him being named, you know, earning the very well-deserved, I think, extremely fitting nickname of Lombardi Lenny. Um, but despite a sweet nickname, he's one of the most physical runners we have in the game, very powerful rusher, uh, and a guy who is built to beat up on opposing defenses, the exact type of player I've been wanting to pair with Austin Eckler uh, since we've named him our starting running back. You know, finished with four and a half yards per carry last season. I think adding him would give the Chargers two very quality uh, three down backs with extremely complimenting play styles. You know, I think him coming away from the whole d trash Jaguars. Yeah, as soon as he team, escaped there. Yeah. When he escaped there, he became very, very productive. I know he had his one year where they took, he took them basically on his shoulders to the AFC um, yeah. championship game. Granted they had a really good defense that year, but on offense with Blake Bortles at quarterback, that's right. Leonard Fournette was the <laughs> offense. And yeah. he carried them a long way. He's only 27 years old. He's a young guy. My question being with Leonard Fournette is, 
of all those running backs there, 27 years old, super productive, I feel like he's going to get the biggest paycheck out of all those guys. Well, I mean, he has the most accolades, right? Super Bowl number four overall pick to a position we don't see even going in the first 32 very often anymore. Um, I think it just speaks to the quality of players. So I, I think you're right. I think the money is the only reason he's third on my list. And he had a really, really good career at LSU. Oh yeah. my God, he was so exciting to watch, and it wasn't even—he was just mowing down people. This guy is—he's a, a, a shotgun, like this. He's a slug, like yeah. he is that—that that is the round of caliber of player that this guy is. He is a shotgun, and he's the slug that's loaded into the chamber, and he is taking people out. Uh, you like James Conner, though. He's your number one guy, right? He's my number one guy. I think, you know, it just makes way too much sense with what he was able to do last year. You know, he kind of got lost in the shuffle at Pittsburgh. But then last year, as, you know, the number two back, um, you saw that he could still be productive, even if he was forced to split touches, you know, split touches with Chase Edmonds early on, and then came in and took all of the running back duties when Chase Edmonds was dealing with those injuries. He scored 18 touchdowns last year, second behind Jonathan Taylor and uh, Austin Eckler. That's supreme production. You add a guy like that with Austin Eckler. On top of it, I, I, I really think James Conner is one of the best short yardage backs that we have right now. If you need two yards, he's going to give you three. And looking at his projected cap hit, just six and a half mil a year, I think the money adds up. I think what you get from the player, um, I, I think it just all it just makes a lot of sense. Um, and just being able to bring another dynamic threat like that into the backfield, I, I think it just makes this backfield so much more dangerous than than it is with just Eckler at the helm. And you know, he's also a really big threat through the air. Like he he, is. he was really really productive his first year as a starter for the Steelers. Like he was really really good in that role. Um for whatever reason he ended up running into these fumbling issues, but when mm -hmm. he left and he left the Steelers, he was still very very productive. Uh, I know that he's got the whole cancer uh he beat cancer in in college I think it was. Uh, he was like a fourth round draft pick. Awesome story. Uh, again, one of those players that I think is going to get paid a little more than what the Chargers are going to pay to an RB2, uh, which kind of brings us to Corderell Patterson. I know Corderell Patterson is being looked at, you know, in, in the $10 million a year range is what I've seen some projections because he's not just a running back. Right. He's a wide receiver. He's a kick returner. He's a he's a do-it-all type of player. The 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 pause I have of Corderell Patterson is he's 31 years old. Yeah. Uh, there's still some production there, but I think for the cost of what you're going to end up having to pay Cordero Patterson to bring him to LA at 31 years old, body starts breaking down. Uh, you know, it makes me wonder whether or not he's going to be worth the value of what a team is going to end up paying him. And, you know, I, I think really he's only had one really productive year as a true player on offense and more than just a special teams player. Um, you know, that gives me a lot of pause. I personally kind of like James Conner out of those three because I think the other two are going to be a little more pricey. Uh, the player that I would like to bring to the Chargers is going to be Sony Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Sony Michelle, 27 years old, uh, had a really, really good start with the Patriots. I know he was a, a 32nd overall pick, 
I think there is a lot of juice to squeeze out of Sony Michelle. Um, he just helped take the Rams to a Super Bowl. Uh, he wasn't the main guy there that that did it, but that's okay because we're not asking to be the main guy. We're asking him to be a change of pace back to Austin Eckler, somebody who can shoulder a load, somebody who can take 20 carries, 25 carries a game if Austin Eckler goes out for a couple weeks, uh, somebody that you can rely on. And I, I really like Sony Michelle. I thought he was one of the greatest Georgia running backs to come out You know when he did. I, I know he and, and Nick Chubb were kind of the dynamic threat there for that. Um, that championship Georgia team that they had a few years back. But there's a lot of juice to squeeze out of Sony Michelle, and he's not getting anywhere near the hype as those top guys. Probably a guy that you're going to pay, you know, three, four, five million a year to. And he's, I mean, for the fact that he's ninth ranked running back on that list is weird to me because I feel like he's a really, really good player who fits into that role really, really well uh, as that RB2. With RB1 upside too, right? Yeah, I think, no, great player. I think you, you see him falling down that list just because he he's, what is it, a, like a season removed from that pretty gruesome uh, knee injury, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the injury issue. Uh, I just remember him as a rookie being super, super good for the Patriots and that, you know, was really playing for... Tom Brady and being there, I mean, Tom Brady, people are sitting back, you know, looking for the pass. Sonny Michelle did a lot with that. And that's going to be kind of the same offense here. Maybe not like scheme wise, but like teams are going to play the pass, knowing that we just signed Mike Williams, knowing that we have Keenan Allen, knowing that Austin Eckler catches passes out of the backfield. I really, really like Sonny Michelle as a fit to this roster. Doesn't have to leave LA, you know, if, if this guy's going to chase a ring, why not chase a ring with the Chargers? Um, that's my opinion on it, and and I really like Sony Michelle. You have any other running backs you'd like to talk about? Those are those are the only three I have. I guess I will just say about Cordell Patterson. The reason he's my number two, I do think he'll be a little more expensive than the other options on my list. But the reason I'm all right with him is because he adds depth to multiple positions, right? You instantly right. get a running back too. You increase your your third, fourth receiving option. And the big reason mm-hmm. I like them is be, with his skill set compared with Eckler's skill set, you can keep them both on the field as much as you like. You could split either one out into the slot or out wide. They have that ability as a receiver. So I just think it gives Lombardi you know, very, two very unique chess pieces, similar to how Brandon Staley has Derwin James on defense. You get two mismatches, walking mismatches, I call them, uh, to put wherever you want on the field. You know Herbert is really good. He's going to exploit mismatches if you can create them for him on on the perimeter or even on the inside. I I just like those guys. They're just so similar in what they can do as you know, from a running back to a receiver kind of standpoint. I think to have two of them would just – open up a lot offensively just from like a creative standpoint. Uh, next, I want to talk a little bit about wide receivers. So first I just want to ask, like, do we need a, a wide receiver three knowing that we just paid, we have two receivers making $40 million in total. Like what are the chances that we go sign another wide receiver over drafting one of with 11 picks? I think, uh, yeah. Um, I think very, very, very low chances on that because I think you've you've seen where 
you know, the Chargers, you know, where they where they see that how they value this receiver core, and they think it's complete when they bring back Mike Williams. I think they really like the up and coming talent with Jalen Guyton and Joshua Palmer. Um, and then with 11 picks and a very, very deep receiver class, if you're going to get another option, you're going to do that in the draft. Yeah. You, know, you got guys I, like Christian Watson, uh, you know, Vilas Jones, Calvin Austin coming off the board in the third, fourth rounds. That's where the chargers are going to add another stud. Um, and it's you know, gonna... even then, I don't see any way that the Chargers pick a wide receiver in the first three rounds. Knowing you just drafted Joshua Palmer, knowing that Jalen Gutton's got that experience, having four legit wide receivers and, and two superstars and a guy yeah. who's going to develop into a superstar, because I totally think Josh Palmer has superstar potential. Jalen Guyton as a quality four, like that's a really quality four. Deep. You don't have enough mouse. You have, you have too many mouths to feed to go and, and find anything other than a, a kick returner type of guy, you know, in the fifth or sixth round. So, you know where I see if we do go early, it's going to be a tall speed guy with Christian Watson. Uh, I already know who you're talking about. Well, I, I not Christian Watson. I like that. But I'm thinking if we do get a receiver, it's going to be somebody not even returnability, but gunner. Uh, ability being oh, able for to sure. play on punt or kick return with um you know, who did we sign last year that DB who just never played for Ryan us. Smith Ryan Smith and, and I think somebody to be a go to every down gunner as your number fifth option would you know that would that's where you'd see the value besides that it needs to be somebody with multiple he needs to be able to contribute in special teams um, because besides that, we have developmental guys, right? We ha still have uh, KJ Hill and Joe Reed on the roster and then tons of other guys on the practice squad. We have receivers for days over in Los Angeles. Yeah, so I don't see any way, shape, or form that Chargers sign a single uh, wide receiver in free agency. If it is, you're probably going to resign your own. You're probably bringing back Andre Roberts as your right. kick returner. And Andre Roberts is not going to command a, a pretty big paycheck by any means. He is coming in not as a receiver, as a special teamer. Yeah. So moving on to tight ends. So your top 10 tight ends, according to The Athletic, Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, Gerald Everett, CJ Uzoma, Evan Ingram, Robert Tanyan, Tyler Conklin, Moali Cox, OJ Howard, Jared Cook. Jared Cook is number 10, 35 years old. There's a lot of guys here that I think all of them, all of them except for Jared Cook, have the potential to be uh, signed by the Chargers. And these guys are not going to command top dollar. The one interesting player that I saw on here, uh, Evan Ingram, 28 years old, a guy who can play as a slot wide receiver. Uh, I think there, that makes a lot of sense. I think. I feel like the hype around Evan Ingram is starting to grow quite a bit. I think a lot of teams are starting to notice that the Giants have had a terrible history at, at quarterback. Uh, and I think he's going to get a big paycheck because I feel like as a receiver, if you're looking at him purely as a wide receiver, not as a tight end, he's going to make, he's going to demand over 10 million a year where I think that the best fit here is going to be a veteran presence, kind of like what Jared Cook was. And I think Zach Ertz makes the most sense out of all of these players. 
He's I, 31 years old. He's not going to demand a big contract, and he doesn't need to be tight end one, but he can fill that role. Coming back from Arizona, played half the season with Arizona, played the other half the Eagles. Zach Ertz made so much sense, and he was really being shopped around quite a bit in the trade deadline to the Chargers. Yeah, he's my top free agent option because of what you're getting. First off, in this scenario, Parham is still your day one starter, which I 100% want that because I, I think the potential in a 6'8 guy who can run a 4-5-40 is just astronomical. Give that guy all the playing time he needs to get to that level because I think he's he's close. He just needs time. Um, but you help the whole room's development with a presence like Zach Ertz. Then on top of it, you got another quality pass catching option to deploy whenever the game situation requires it. And we need to stop disrespecting Zach Ertz. He's only a couple seasons removed from being considered the second best tight end in the game behind Travis Kelsey, right? He's not that far removed He's not. from that dominance of the performance. So I really think that the uncertainty, you know, surrounding his career, is he going to stay in Philly? Oh, wait, now he's in Arizona. How long is he going to be there? I think all that uncertainty has really played a big factor into this dip in production. But I believe in the right system, Zach Ertz has plenty left in the tank he's the right fit and the right team away from experience in a career resurgence i don't see why he can't have that resurgence on an up-and-coming team like the chargers with you know a superstar quarterback in justin herbert you know you're talking about resurgence like it's not even a resurgence he had almost 800 yards receiving last year like he played still at as a top 10 tight end and he's just being overlooked because everyone looking, oh, he's 31 years old. Oh, the Eagles didn't want him. They shipped him off to well, the Cardinals. No, he is yeah. still a really, really good productive player. And he's going to be a starter wherever he goes next season, even if it is to the Chargers, because a guy who is that well-respected around the league is going to be a starter wherever he goes. Joe Lombardi is going to look at this guy see him, his intelligence on the football field and make him a starter based off of that alone. Well, like if, he, and he's you still can't, at the top of his game. You can't tell me with the same amount of targets that Jared Cook got the last couple of seasons that Zach Ertz can't match that, if not completely out-dominate Jared Cook's performance. At this point in their careers, Zach Ertz is astronomically better in every category. You know, he had 112 targets last season. Who did? Zach Ertz? Zach Ertz had 112 targets. He started 14 of 17 games, 74 receptions for 763 yards. You're telling me this guy's not a tight end one? And there's no way he's going to get that. that like, he's going to demand those targets. Like, he's still a really, really good player. And you're not even asking him to take all 110 targets like he had last season. You're not because you have a, a tight end room behind him with Donald Parham, with Trey McKitty. Zach Ertz makes a lot of sense, and I can't see him even demanding anywhere close to $10 million a year because I don't feel like the hype is there. This is the perfect coupon Tom free agency signing that we typically see every single year. This is that player. And Tom Telesco likes veterans. He likes veterans in free agency. He likes guys who are kind of toward the end of their career who who he can sign as a real value. Think Chris Harris Jr., you mm-hmm. know, two years, $19 million, $18 million. 
toward the end of his career, didn't really pan out too well for us, right? Um, didn't really play at that high level we were expecting, but he brought that veteran presence. And that's what you're signing him for, but he's going to give you a lot more than just a veteran presence. He's going to be a, a guy that you can rely on, you can go to on third down, be that safety net for Justin Herbert, and help bring our really young tight end room around. Zach Ertz, you know, we can talk about Rob Gronkowski, uh, 33 years old. We can talk about Gerald Everett, who I think is a, a really, really good player. Um, CJ Uzoma, who just made it to the Super Bowl. We, we got some other guys there. Robert Tanyan had like 12 to 15 touchdowns a couple seasons ago. But none of those guys seem like they fit quite as well as Zach Ertz does. No, and I think yeah. – Without a doubt, we're, we're going to sign him. Like, that's one of those guys I just – everybody knew Brian Bulago was coming to the Chargers a couple seasons ago. Everybody knew it. You know, like, no doubt about it. We were going to get that guy. Corey Lindsley, everybody knew we were going to go after him really hard. And I know we keep hearing J.C. Jackson as a target. Like, I feel like our free agents are all going to be coupon Tom type of signings. We're not going to go after the top guys because – we, we have the cap space, but we have so many players that we need to sign. So you're yeah. looking for value. I I, I kind of I agree with you. I don't see the J.C. Jackson. I think if we do, I think we are going to get one name brand free agent, but I think it's going to be one of those multiversal safeties to pair up with Derwin James. Like I was saying, an Adrian Phillips type, so we can put Derwin James in more positions to make game-changing plays um we can so get I to really, defense here in a bit um yeah, I, probably yeah. probably in a couple days i i, I kind of want to stay on the offensive side of the ball but yeah there is a chance we go after a name brand player and i was you know i went and, and posted on twitter a couple days ago um a list of uh tom telesco free agents and you tell me how many of these guys are tier one Top of the game type of players. So in 2019, Tyrod Taylor, Thomas Davis, are any of those guys top tier players? Well, that that's where we're when we signed them, no, but Thomas Davis was the best middle linebacker for many years. Past his prime, right? Right. Chris Harris Jr., Linval Joseph, Nick Vigil, Brian Bulaga. Are any of those guys at the time top of their game when we signed them? No. But were they at one point in their career? Absolutely. Well, two of, two of them were right. Linval Joseph definitely was right. He was one of the most, the best interior defenders, like in the entire NFL for like three, four, five years. Well, and you go and back the, to the giants, you go back to the Vikings. Yeah. He was that guy. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. 
That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. That that Giants defensive line that won the Super Bowl with Justin Tuck, Strahan, and then Linville Joseph in the middle, and uh, Chris Canty is the best, in my opinion, the best defensive line ever assembled. Um, and Linville Joseph was a rookie on that thing, on that line. 2021, Corey Lindsley was the top center, and we paid him like the top center. He's the one outlier, but yeah. Odeo Bushi, Matt Filer, Ryan Smith, Jared Cook, now all those guys were kind of past their prime. Let's go back to 2018. Geno Smith, Jalen Watkins, Mike Pouncey, Nick Vigil, Michael Schofield, uh, Virgil Green. None of those guys, those are all coupon Tom signings, right? Absolutely. Russell Kuhn, Kenyon Barnier, 2017. Russell Kuhn was a, a pretty well, highly touted offensive tackle. He was never at the top of his game, but was that not a coupon Tom signing? It was because he was like coming off an injury. He, he was good, but he, yeah, he was at the tail end of his prime. Yeah, tail end and of And then his he prime. just completely fell off a wall once he got here. Absolutely. 2016, Travis Benjamin, Matt Slauson, Brandon Meebane, Casey Hayward, Dwight Lowry. You had all of those guys were Dwight all Lowry. coupon. All those guys were coupon signings. Travis Benjamin was the cream of the crop of that class because he just had like a 1,200-yard season playing for a terrible Browns team. For the Browns. When Josh Gordon was in the league. Yeah, Josh Gordon was <laughs> in the league. Uh, I think that was the year that he ended up getting uh, in trouble for the, like the very first time, right? Might have been. He was the speedster that people didn't have an answer for, and we went and signed him to a pretty hefty contract, but he was, still wasn't a top-tier free agent by any means, right? None of those guys were. Brandon Meebane was well-respected as a nose tackle, part of that Seattle defense, the, the Legion of Boom. Uh, one of those guys that didn't get a whole lot of credit for all the work he did, but we signed him when he was like 30 years old and we held on to him until he was like 35 years old. Yeah, way past. Casey Hayward was the coupon signing of that class who ended up blowing up and, and really working well in the favor of the Chargers. Dwight Lowry didn't do anything while he was here. No, that was that was a bummer because I was so stoked to get a guy like that. Just doesn't then, pan out. Well, I got three more years. Uh, 2015, Patrick Robinson, cornerback, wide receiver Jacoby Jones, wide receiver Stevie Johnson, Orlando Franklin, and Brandon oh, yeah. Flowers. That was actually a, a pretty decent 
free agency class when you looked at the names that we did sign? Because I was hyped. Jacoby Jones, I was hyped. Stevie Johnson, I was hyped. Stevie Johnson had a terrific career for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando Franklin was the one of the best guards in the entire NFL for like two, three seasons. And for whatever reason, injuries probably is what it feels like. Didn't pan out. But Brandon Flowers was definitely a, a coupon Tom signing that played very, very well for multiple years for us. But none of those guys are at the were like the most highly sought out type of guys, right? Yeah, that's that's true. 2014, Donald Butler, we gave him a seven-year contract. He played very, very well for the prior four seasons. And for whatever reason, it just went down the hole. We gave him the – he was like one of the highest paid defenders in the entire NFL when we, he signed that contract. Uh, we re-signed Daryl Stuckley, uh, running back Donald Brown. Looked like a pretty decent RB2, right, but just didn't pan out for whatever reason. We had Ryan Matthews as our RB1. Just didn't work. And then another guy, big name target, Dwight Freeney in 2013. Yeah. At the end of his career, 2008 to, to 2012, like he was a dynamic player, like one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL, probably a guy who's going to end up falling into the Hall of Fame at some point in his career. Well, I, I, I remember I knew I grew up with Dwight Freeney, and the only reason I know who Lawrence Taylor is before the blind side was Dwight Freeney because they would constantly be like, he's the next best Lawrence Taylor. And I grew up in 94, you know, I was born in 94. So that was way, way after Lawrence Taylor, but they used to compare this guy when I was growing up to Lawrence Taylor. And that's the only reason I know the guy's name to this day was because Dwight Freeney. Oh, definitely. Dwight Freeney was so good for the Colts for so many years, a major part of their Super Bowl run, a major part of that whole Peyton Manning era. Well, and he, and I feel like when I think of the spin move, I think of Dwight I Freeney. Was gonna, I was just going to say, every pass rusher in this game today owes a lot to Dwight Freeney because he, you know, perfected the the spin move. You know, Kareem is credited with the hook shot. You have to give Dwight Freeney credit for the, spin, the, the speed spin move. You know, guys were doing it before, but not to the level he was doing it. Being able to spin. Yeah, just turn on the tape. The guy could. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he, so was, fast. he was phenomenal for the years that we that he was at the top of his game, but we signed him at the end of his right career. I don't end. think he had more than eight sacks a, a season. Like, he never had that production, but he was always the name, right? He would never yeah. help us take over a defense or anything like that. Like, he was never that player for us. Well, he needed some help. I think what, what we got from him is – a rotation teams could put three guys on them because they weren't worried about anybody else on that defense. So they people got teams were when he got to us kind of just able to focus on them and we had no help kind of no uh, Melvin like Ingram was early on the year last year. I want to say Melvin Ingram was a rookie or in his second year and I think he tore his ACL so they didn't even have to worry uh, about yeah. Melvin Ingram. Uh we had Sean Phillips, I want to say on that team. But, um uh, by that Sean. point. I think Sean Merriman was playing for the Bills. So, like, okay. it was Dwight Freeney. I, I can't really remember, you know, we were pay- playing a 3-4 defense back then, um, but we never had the Dwight Freeney that everyone wanted when that we got signed that big name. This is all Tom Telesco signings. Uh, he signed cornerback Derek Cox, signed guard Chad Reinhardt, and then the only other 
really good under the radar coupon Tom signing that we got, who was a phenomenal player for us for many years, Danny Woodhead, who mm-hmm. I absolutely love. But I just named you every single major Tom Telesco free agent signing that he has absolutely had in his career as the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. And you tell me which of those players were at the top of their game when he signed them. Well, I'll just answer your question with another question. Was his franchise quarterback on a rookie deal? Nope. Did he have 50 million in cap space? Nope. And did he have 11 draft picks to mess around in a very deep draft? I I think, you know, you heard Tom talk about it in his pressers at the combine. He's never had the offs, the, the resources that he has in front of him. And he, he knows that. And he is going to attack this offseason much differently than he ever has. Now, does that mean he's going to go out and grab one of those top names? I don't know. But I know we're not going to get the traditional coupon Tom type of offseason. We're going to get a, a revamped type of offseason. I think more similar to what we saw last season when we did go and get Corey Lindsley, when we did completely revamp our offensive line. I think you're going to see a very similar offseason this time geared towards the defensive line and cornerbacks. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, you know, additions in, in those two position groups. I feel like I need to taper my expectations for that a little bit, though, because we've never had this many starters hitting free yeah. agency before either. Sure. We still have to find a replacement at edge. We still have to find an offensive tackle. We still have to find an offensive guard. We need to find a true CB1. Or Absolutely. we're going to put Asante Samuel in as a CB1 and find a we, – we need a, a, a slot defender, right? Or an outside cornerback, depending on what you do with Asante Samuel. Sure. You still have a lot of pieces. And while it $50 million sounds really high, you know, it. it's we, – we don't have as much money as people think because we have to fill so many starting positions. When have we ever had this many positions to fill? Well, I feel like we've always kind of had this many positions to fill. I think the difference is we could possibly have more with the in-house free agents um, set to possibly leave as well. I I think that's the big key. I don't think we've ever had this many open spots with, you know, paired up with this many in-house free agents. I think that combo is going to kind of deter us from going after those top names, but I still think... With 11 picks, we're going to be able to do if, – if we want just depth, we could just go 11 picks in the draft and get depth. I think these free agent signings need to be quality starters, known commodities, come in and check a box day one. Um, I, I think we're going to see – I think those are the only type of free agents we, we should be dealing with right now. I guess we'll see. I don't think we're going to sign as many top free agents as people are expecting. I think I, we're going to ha- have a lot of Danny Woodheads. I think we're going to have a fair. lot of uh, Casey Haywards, a lot of uh, Brandon Flowers. I feel like we're going to go and get a lot of quality starters. But if you sign Uchenna Nwosu to his value, you sign Mike Williams to his value, you sign Kaiser White to his value. And I think those are the three most important players to this team, you only got like 15 to 20 million left in cap space. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And and you still have to sign a top defensive tackle, offensive tackle, and a guard. So it's not as much money as people think. Um, I, I think that you know everyone looks at all this money and aren't realizing that you have you have eight starters to replace, which is astronomical. And it sounds fun having fifty million dollar cap space, but I don't think that's necessarily a good thing because you don't know who your starters are going to be, especially last year, there was a big emphasis on installing a new defense, right? Uh, A new offensive scheme, right? This big emphasis, but you're replacing half those starters, which is crazy to think about because you're literally almost starting from ground zero all over again. Well, I'm all right. I'm all right with that. Watching our defense last year. Um, if it yeah, needs a, a complete rebuild, let's go for it. But I, I hear what you're saying. There's it, there's a lot more names needed to add to this list than the JC Jacksons, the you know Akeem Hicks of the world. That we have a, a football team to sign, not just you know a starting roster. It's a full football team, and I think, yeah, well. We'll end up seeing. Let's go ahead and, and finish this uh, offensive position group out. Uh, we'll start with offensive tackle. Uh, I feel like we're agreed that Zach Ertz is is our tight end, right? We're, we're going to yeah. go sign Zach Ertz. I like Zach Ertz. So for offensive tackle, uh, you got Teron Armstead, who's going to play on the left side. So I don't think he's a possibility. I also think he's um, uh, priced out of the Chargers. You have Eric Fisher. Again, another left tackle potentially could move to right, but I just don't see it at this point in his career. What I do see is Trent Brown, Morgan Moses, Riley Reef. Uh, those are your number three, number six, and number seven graded offensive tackles, according to The Athletic. Dwayne Brown, 37 years old, probably not going to be coming here as a true left tackle. Joseph Nokeboom, Jermaine Effetti, Brandon Shell, and Chuma Okafor. It's really a weak class for offensive tackles uh, even weaker when you take into account that you need somebody to play specifically on the right side. The guys that did play on the right side at some point in their career is going to be Trent Brown, Morgan Moses, Riley Reef. I don't necessarily know if we're going to go after a single right tackle in free agency. Mm, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's tough because when you look at those, just the tackle names, it it's a really, you know, unassuming, nobody really, gets you excited like I would if you gave me Brian Balaga 2019 free agent in this class I think he's the top option after Teron Armstead right nobody's gets me that excited I I think you got a bunch of just eh they can do the job so because of nobody really gets me excited the, the the one tackle on that list that I think makes sense for the Chargers is Jermaine Afidi because of the position that he plays. He, he started off as a right guard um, and then played all of last year at right tackle in 2020 split time at 10 starts at right guard, six starts at right tackle. So getting a guy like him, you get, you're looking you can, at depth. You, you look at depth, but he's also a starting right tackle. And I think with where we're at in this offensive line, because of those, the dominant pieces we have from center to left guard to left tackle, you don't need, five dominant guys on the offensive line. You need three really good ones and then two guys that can just get the job done. And because of Afidi's versatility, I like him. I don't think he's going to cost a whole lot. He's still 27 years old. Um, I think there's a lot of quality left 
and with those options to start at tackle and at guard, I, I just think his ability to fill in at multiple positions gives him a lot of value um, because I don't think he's going to cost all, all that much. You know, Jermaine Fetty is actually a, a really good depth signing, and he's a guy that's got position versatility, which is something that you love. But I feel like if you're signing him, you're expecting him to be a starter. Uh, I think yeah, he's going to try to be a starter. Uh, well, but I, I think he is a starter. The, where I'm looking more so, like if I'm looking at Trent Brown, I'm looking at Brian Bulaga 2.0, somebody who yeah. has a lot of potential. He's a really, really good offensive tackle. He's 31 years old, uh, maybe not has the extensive injury list that that Brian Bulaga has, but that's something that you're looking at. Same thing with Trent Brown. The, all three of those players are the same exact player. If anything, I might potentially look at our current right tackle, uh, Brian Bulaga, and restructuring his contract, keeping him in-house. We know that he we just paid him you know, $20 million to sit on the bench for two years. I would... I wouldn't approach him, be like, hey, we can drop you in free agency. There's a good chance you're probably not even going to get signed because you haven't played football in two years, realistically. You know, let's bring you down to four or five million dollars a year. You already got paid for not doing a whole lot. I think that there's some quality there. He's a quality offensive tackle. Uh, and the fact that he sat out the entire year, that has to tell me that he's healthy. Right. Like you can't not be healthy, not sitting for, for the entire year. I don't uh, know. And I don't know because he was supposed to play all year. Wasn't he? Wasn't he always just a week away, a week away? So who knows how hurt or how not hurt he is, actually is. So I think that he is without a doubt a cap casualty. But I think what a lot of people aren't talking about is a restructure. For a player who we think can play pretty well. Uh, he was phenomenal in Green Bay. He probably he had a near Pro Bowl season in his final year in Green Bay, and he never was able to live up to the hype uh, due to injuries. He's been sitting for a year right now. I'm restructuring his contract, and I am getting him in my my program, my my health program uh, with my coaching staff, and I am working him, getting him ready for the season now as a really cheap short-term guy who knows the offense and is literally just a placeholder. And if it doesn't work out, you have two offensive tackles to fill that role already in Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton, who costs next to nothing to keep on the roster. I don't like this offensive tackle class, and I'm not stopping myself from drafting an offensive tackle high in the first two rounds of this draft. Yeah, I did. I guess my, How do you feel my, about that? I guess my, you know, hesitancy is, is I just don't see the benefit for Balaga to restructure because if he is healthy, if he is as healthy as he thinks he is to gener- to to warrant a restructure, then I feel like he would prefer to test the market, right? Uh, hold on, let me stop you right there, right? So here's the my you're the Jets, you're any sure. other 31 NFL football team. And you just saw this guy sit out for two seasons. Yeah. How much are you going to demand him? How how tackle how, how would you am value I? him? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't needy. value him much, but I with how depleted this tackle class is, I could see somebody needing him with a little more flexibility who only has a couple starting positions to fill out to be able to outbid 
for a guy who we don't really value because he hasn't played for us. I just don't see, I just don't, th- I just think it makes very little sense for Balaga to want to restructure. If he's healthy, then he can go play somewhere else. If he's not, then there's no business restructuring because well, he's, what, it's zero, not it's zero dollars or something. But what, what do you think another team values him at contract wise? Uh, it's going to be a prove it deal, and it's going to be like a one year, three million dollar deal. Sure, but my 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 point is, I think there were always, if we wanted to restructure him, it would be for a team friendly deal. I think if we get to that, whatever that number is, there's always going to be another team with a little more flexibility that's going to be able to outbid us for that position. Tackles a premium. People like need tackles and it's a weak um, class so like it'd be class. one thing if it was a strong class like this guard class we're about to talk about here in a right. second but i just i don't know i feel like there's still value in brian bulaga because we never got what we wanted out of him and sure. if you restructure his deal you bring his i think his cap number is like 11 12 million dollars uh so there's a lot of cap savings by just straight out cutting him but based off of the class that's out there i still think he's at the top of this list as far as a quality player goes, like I would take Ryan Blog over Morgan Moses if both players are healthy. I'd take him over Joseph Noteboom. Dwayne Brown, 37 years old, I'd take him over him. Where I get into that same kind of area is Trent Brown, who's three years younger, but has spent the last three, four years injured, right? Like I, I see some value and at least just having some depth there. You know, yeah. if he doesn't play and you give him $3 million a year, you're not really going to lose a whole lot. And you're the upside of what you would get out of a healthy Brian Bulaga is better than the downside to all of those players that I just listed on, on that list. Yeah, my whole – yeah, my, my feeling is, like I said, none of these tackles get me excited, I think – all of the obvious upgrades are on the wrong side of 30, right? We got Jason Peters set to turn 40 years old. We already talked about Teron Armstead. He He's also getting up there in age, but as the best tackle in the class, he's going to get offers that confirm that. I just don't see the money making sense anywhere else. Um, if you want to restructure Balaga, okay. I really think... I really think they're looking for in the first couple of rounds for the right tackle of the future. Without um, a doubt. Without they, they have to be. I mean, there's a, a lot strong of tackle sh- class. strong tackle class. And you're really close to, you know, shoring up this offensive line for years. Uh, you get a decent right tackle in there. You're set. Let's go. Let's ride this. And Brian Bulaga does not prevent you from going into the draft to get it. No, no, absolutely not. If he wants to restructure, go ahead. Uh, I would be all for that. I just don't see the benefit from the player. You know, I think it benefits right. the team tremendously. I just don't see the benefit from the player standpoint or the agent standpoint. And those guys are out there to get make money, right? At the end of the right. day, they're there to provide for their families. I just want to get your thoughts on a restructure for Brian Bulaga. I think I'd that the Chargers are going to end up cutting him because they did it to Trey Turner and Trey Turner yeah. played more, right? Um, so true. I just I just don't I just see the weak tackle class and I look at Brian Bulaga for the player that he could be and I'm looking at restructuring him and see if he wants to stay on a Super Bowl caliber roster, stay with his friend Corey Lindsley, 
you know, yeah. understanding that the offense already, understanding that you have a tremendous quarterback, you've got no shortage of skilled players on the offensive side of the ball, and maybe you just want to play and have some fun. <laughs> well, maybe you just want to I- make money. And you're just going to get cut and, and walk away with your money. So I don't know how you're going to go about it. There's also, you know, you got to consider the fact, how many years has this guy been in the league? You know, what else does that guy want besides a Super Bowl ring? So if you can't really, like, you know, confirm in his eyes 100% that you're going to get there, I don't really see the point of him going another year on a very illustrious career in his eyes. I think he's played a long, long time in the NFL. It's not easy to do. Especially so at this point, do you position. want a ring chase because he doesn't have a ring, or do that's, you want to go and cash out and 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 that's you know, where do you want to you uproot your family? I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see, you know, to be to be in that guy's head because I don't know what he what he's feeling. How, how does he vision football? Because you know, a lot of guys play and are over it. You know, it would be interesting to, to you know where Brian Blaga's mindset is. You know, if he wants to play, let's, you know, figure out a contract to make him play. But I just don't know if that, you know, desire is there anymore after being in the league for as long as he's been. And just rehabbing. Yeah, it it's takes a, a toll. Yeah, it does. Let's uh let's close this off with offensive guard because I don't think there's any chance that the Chargers go after a center knowing that they've got a top two, if not the best center in the NFL. Uh, your top 10, according to The Athletic, you have Brandon Sharif, I think we're priced out on. Lakin Tomlinson, I would love. Austin Corbett, nice. Bradley Bozeman, uh, Alex Kappa, James Daniels, which is also a really, really interesting player because he's only 25 yeah. years old. Uh, is he 25? Andrew, I thought he was 24. Either way, very young. He's very, very young, by far the youngest on this list. 25 uh, and four years of experience. You don't really... He's no, on my list, rare. too. It's rare. Uh, you got Andrew Norwell, Trey Turner, Connor Williams, Lucas Patrick. You've got a really, really good group of guards. So you don't typically see. I think this is the strongest free agency class like of any position. It's guard. And uh, I, definitely Turner, think, I definitely think you'd see Odeo Bushi on that list if he was healthy. If he continued to play like oh, he played the first four re- weeks, he would be on that list. And I even seen him on a lot of top 10 lists, even with the injury. So, yeah. So this guard class, it's super strong. You can go after your, the cream of the crop, which is Brandon Sharif, and you're going to pay $15 million a year. I think that's unlikely. I'm looking more toward James Daniels, who's super young. You can lock him up for multiple years. You're probably going to lock him up under value of a, a lot of other teams. Uh, but there, I mean, Lakin Tomlinson, 30 years old, probably going to get a nice paycheck. But at 30 years old, I, I think that teams that are looking to build for the future aren't going for a Lakin Tomlinson. You're looking at teams like, like bad example, but the Chiefs who don't have a lot of salary cap, but you know they can offer that championship caliber roster mm-hmm. and be like, hey, you know, if you want to come rent a ring, we could totally come pick you up. I feel like. Lakey Tomlinson is probably the best of the bunch. I know that Tom Telesco, he wants size. Yeah. And Brandon Staley, they want size on the offensive line. And you're going to get that with Lakey Tomlinson. But you got your your choice. Do you want to go with an aging, good player who's not going to take a whole lot? Do you want to go after a 25 or 27-year-old player in Austin Corbett, Bradley Bozeman, Alex Kappa? You have a lot of different routes you can go. I know Alex Kappa is your boy. 
Yep. Uh, I know you guys are, are boys. Sort I, of. I messaged him again. I'm trying to get him on the pod, but uh, we are obviously not boys because he can't. He doesn't respond to me. So, Alex, I know you're not listening, but please just respond to my DMs. Just say what's up. I haven't talked to him in so many, in, since he got drafted. Well, when he signs with the Chargers, we'll make sure we got an inside track and we will yes. go ahead and find a way to bring him onto the pod. But it's a really good guard class. I'm ecstatic because I think that we are, without a doubt, needing a, a starting offensive guard, and there's no shortage here. No. And all of those guys you mentioned, I, I, James Daniels is like the third guard on my list just because, like we were saying, 25 years old is it with four years of experience. You really can't beat that. You, he's entering his prime. On top of that, he used to play center, uh, and I think his permanent home is right guard. Played all 17 think, games there last year. And I also think that he's not even close to his prime yet. Like his prime is going to be two to three years yeah. from now. Like. Sure. The amount of development that there is still left to get in this guy is incredible. Like he's actually my top offensive tackle because of the age, because of the potential. Makes a lot of sense. And because well, his height isn't there. How are you, you know, how did he post PFF grades over 70 in both pass blocking and run blocking on the Bears last year? How awful was that offense in Chicago? And he was able to post 70s in both pass blocking and run blocking. He had it, That's pretty impressive, just considering the talent and the chaos that was the Matt Nagy uh, Chicago Bear-led team that was just a disaster. And he performed really well throughout all that chaos. He performed really, really well. And when you look at, like, I'm drafting, uh, drafting I'm signing him to like a five, six year contract, just based off the fact that one, you can contracts are backloaded. So you don't even have to pay all that cap until later, like much, much later, you can put a, a, a rip cord in, in year two or three, and you can really get the best of his ability throughout the years that he's going to be young and cut bait as he starts to age or restructure or, re-sign to an extension and lower that cap even further you have so much room and james daniels is just one player that's on that type of list connor williams who played for the dallas cowboys last year also 25 years old same situation like you you have a lot of ways to go about this um i, I there's a lot to take away from this offensive guard class and you can really shore up guard all the way out to left tackle really easily in this this draft class or free agency class absolutely tons of options like you said tons of options um that that's funny connor williams was is my number two option behind kappa being my number one option so i have all the all three of those guys on my list on my radar because i think all of them make instant upgrades at right guard instant upgrades to right guard some of them even have the opportunity to kick out to right tackle i know connor williams was it Connor Williams, a right tackle coming out of college? Uh, he was a le- he's came out of college as a left guard. Was playing left guard for for many years, and then I think and is playing left guard for Dallas. Um, so he, he's on the left side. But I, I think you know Filer has has Filer's played multiple positions. I think he even played right tackle. Um, yeah, he did. They, Filer has that ability to to roll over to the right side. So I, I, I'm pretty sure Connor Williams is 
specifically play left guard throughout his career. But the the age is really on Connor Williams' side. And I think, you know, you, you, you look at that offensive line in Dallas, you know, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, they're the most frequently credited for that success that the Dallas' Dallas's offensive line has had over the recent years. But I think Connor Williams second round pick since 2018 he's been a big part of their success as well kind of an under the radar complement to that to that unit i uh i really like this offensive guard class i'm not going to talk about it anymore but i could because <laughs> i could just it's such a strong class and if i had to guess if you combined all the salaries of all those players that are going to get signed i feel like your guards are going to make the most money combined across all of them because there's so many good ones I'm really surprised a lot of these guys are not being franchise tagged because like in Thomasin could be franchise tag Austin mm-hmm. Corbett, who's just played on a Super Bowl roster also plays some center flexibility. If you want to have that Bradley Bozeman. I mean, if you take a look at the Ravens run game over the past five years, Bradley Bozeman has been at the center of that playing guard, Alex Kappa, who just helped himself win a Super Bowl. Um, Andrew Norwell, who helped um, uh, Leonard Fournette with all those yards. Trey Turner is a five-time Pro Bowler. I know we have a sour uh, taste in our mouth for Trey Turner, but Trey Turner, I said, was going to have a bounce-back year, and he absolutely did. Lucas Patrick has flexibility. I would say at least four or five of those players at the top of the list all could have been franchise tag. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess – out of all of those linemen that we, we mentioned, who is your top target? My top target, and I would it's it's hard because if I want a player to plug and play and and be a stopgap player, it's going to be Lakin Tomlinson because I feel like yeah. he has he's probably at the best of that. But if you're looking at somebody to solidify for years to come, I'm looking at either James Daniels or Connor Williams. I like James Daniels a little bit better in my opinion, uh, just based off of the the offensive line that he played, that it was god awful. He was the one bright spot. You take a player of that caliber and you put him on a good offensive line. Oh my god! Like put him next to an All Pro center and see what happens. And you're gonna get good things that happen out of that. Well, where are you on? You know, the the team. Where are you at with Odeo Bushi if he's healthy? Do you extend him another contract? Because he was playing phenomenally. Uh, before he was he playing out. really, really well. Uh, the ACL injury, it's a little concerning. I think that he's going to get over it, right? Uh, yeah. I, I know that he only signed like a $2 million contract, less than a $2 million contract. If you want a guy to, to kick the can down the road, go for it. If you want to re-sign him as a depth piece and still upgrade over him, hey, by all means, go ahead and do that. I'd be looking at a a guard who also has flexibility at playing offensive tackle. Uh, I don't see that in any of these guys. I, I kind of thought Connor Williams did, but maybe that was La, uh, La L. La, what was his name? La L. The guy who uh, got in L- trouble. L. L. La L. L. Collins or something like that. La L. Collins. I think that's who I was thinking of. That guy who got super, super high on video out of the gas mask. You remember that? That was... Was that, that was Lel Collins? That was Lel Collins because L Collins was being looked at as a top top draft pick. Uh, maybe that wasn't him. Maybe that was a Dolphins guy. Maybe he that was, was a, a different. I thought that was Tunsil who had the it was Larry, Larry Tunsil. Tunsil 
Okay, Lyle so Collins I'm mixing has like, it up. Uh, I think Lyle Collins like we'll we'll look at. Actually, if I remember, Lyle Collins' girlfriend from like years back like died, and he was being looked at in murder charges. He was like a, a consensus first round draft pick who ended up going undrafted, and the Cowboys signed him. And like one of the most under the radar things that ever happened because if you could have got Lel Collins as a first rounder, like that would have been phenomenal anyways. But I think a lot of teams were afraid that he was going to go to jail, had nothing to do with the entire issue, uh, really kind of screwed up his, his whole draft thing that ended up happening. It was, it was a terrible thing that ended up happening to them. But um, yeah, I think, I think guard like overall is, is something that we should go sign a top tier guy because there's so many of them. And because there's so many of them, I think you're going to get a bigger deal than you're expecting. Because no. I don't, I, I just don't see that the money is going to follow every single one of these guys. And you're going to get one of these top ten guys who's going to be a starting caliber player who's going to be signed for well under his value because the, the you know supply and demand. There's a high supply, and the demand is going to be level. You're going to find a guy who is signed underneath his contract value worth. What do you think? Another hypothetical that I kind of just thought of right now. What if we do sign one of those high-priced guard-free agents? We do re-sign Odea Bushi on a short deal, and then we kick Filer out over to right tackle, where he was playing very well for the Pittsburgh Steelers before we signed him. I still think you play players in their best position, regardless sure. of what you have on the roster. Well, and, and I feel like... Yeah. I feel like no matter what, Matt Filer might be a okay offensive tackle. I think he's a guy that you can kick out there in case of an emergency. But I would honestly, and I know that's probably not a uh, a topic that many people are going to agree with me with, but I would still start Storm Norton, put Filer at guard, yeah, put Alex Kappa at right guard, and yes. make Odea Bushi at your swing guard. You're back up and and you know if you have to if contingency plans is is like an important thing. Trey Pipkins is my number two right tackle. To be honest, and again, not a popular opinion. I'm rolling into the season with Storm Norton. One of I'm, those guys you mentioned are going to be our swing tackle, whether fans like it or not. Well, yeah, it's it's fact, right? Yeah. But I think. I saw enough development over the course of the year from, from week one to week 17, Storm Norton, week 16, week 17, he was terrible. Week yeah. 16, Storm Norton was so much development, not a popular opinion. Storm Norton's my starting right tackle next season. And I'm going into it with that mindset and I'm kicking the can down the road. If I find a tackle that I like in the first two rounds, I'm going for it. Otherwise I'm kicking it off the next season. Just thinking about it, like aesthetic-wise, that right side of the line would look so cool with two big old white boys with gold locks coming out of their helmet because Alex Kappa has the same on-field aesthetic as Storm Norton, and you'd have them back-to-back. That would make for a very <laughs> interesting uh, huddle. I'm all for it. Besides being a, a you know biased Humboldt State football fan, I, I think Kappa would make a lot of sense for this football team. Look. Uh, also not a popular opinion. Bring back Dan Feeney. Have all three of them. Have all three of them do the uh, the party in the back business. Uh, the, mullet? the mullet. The mullet. And have have three guys with a mullet on your offensive line. 
I you're going to win every game. I think Kappa has a little too much class for a mullet. You know, ah. he's a California kid. That's a little too classy for California. A little too classy, but I just wanted to throw it out there as an option. <laughs> That's an Three option. players with a mullet. All of them have long hair. All of them can can do it. At Here least do it for the fans. I mean, come into training camp and just go for it, right? Listen, Kappa, if you sign with the Chargers, my signing bonus from me to you is a free of charge mullet haircut i have the clippers in my bathroom right now i will come down to los angeles find me a barber chair i will give you a mullet if that's what it takes to get him in los angeles i'll do it bring him to los angeles bring him on the podcast bring him on let's get it done <laughs> let's get it i'm going. ecstatic for this free agency it's going to be starting in in a week from today it's happening. and it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. We had a really, really fun start to this week with all of the trades, all of the re-signings, all of the franchise tags, and it's only going to get better over the course of the week. We it's are tough, yeah. going to try to do a defensive free agency episode. I don't know when we're going to do it. Uh, we'll do now. it. We'll get it in. We'll get it in. And we'll break down defensive free agents. Hopefully, we'll have some more clarity who's going to be available tomorrow, day after tomorrow. But it's going to get done, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it needs to happen. I mean, I, this is a very fun episode. The defense is where I want to spend a lot more time because, I don't know, we just have more glaring needs on that side of the ball. I, I agree. We'll get into it. I'll talk to you guys later. Zach, we'll get into this next week. Sounds Absolutely, good. let's go. Over and out.